Thanks for tuning in to Upward Way Podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved, and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today is the pastor of the Tokyo Central International Seventh-day Adventist Church. He has over 20 years experience as a missionary in Japan. Hi, Pastor Mark Duart. Welcome to our show. Thanks for the invitation. Good to be here. Now, Pastor Mark, I know you are an experienced campaigner. Could you share with our audience a little about your background and how you came to be a Christian? Oh, well, let's see. How can I summarize that? I came to be a Christian, uh, actually being born into a Seventh-day Adventist family. A little bit mixed. Not all the relatives were church members, but I can be very thankful I had a very dedicated mother and an even more dedicated grandmother who lived the life and uh, images I still have seared into my memory are of her reading her, her Bible in Portuguese and on Sabbath afternoons sitting in the backyard reading her Bible. She always had very good advice. Whenever I needed it, I asked her for it, and it was biblical. That was my early beginnings of uh, growing up in a family that appreciated God appreciated his word. We always had uh, sunset worship, vespers in grandma's house with whatever relatives happened to be there. So pleasant memories, and that gave me an early appreciation for the faith. Praise the Lord. It is so delightful to have good grandmothers. So at what yeah. age did you, would say, enter into the faith in terms of being baptized? Can you remember Yes, I remember very clearly. I joined with a group of young people at the local church, and there was uh, a lady there. They called them uh, Bible workers in those days. She uh, went through a series of Bible studies with us. It lasted a few months with, uh, in those days, what they called film strips. Today, we call it PowerPoint. That was the tech in those times. And uh, we went through all the fundamental beliefs of the church. And at the end, those who made their decision were baptized. And I was 12 years old. Awesome. 12 years old. <laughs> Just a child. Yeah. yeah, that's a long time ago. <laughs> you were 12 years old when you made that decision. What was it that caused you to make the decision then? Just for my young mind, the impression that the Bible made, and not just with those studies with the Bible worker, but things that I had learned in Sabbath school and church over the years, and probably how they connected with uh, the lives and example of uh, many of the relatives, again, my grandmother and so forth, and my mother. I was quite impressed with the seriousness. And I don't remember the questions she asked with the Bible worker all along the way as she taught. She asked like making a decision after each study, you know, would you like to uh, be in heaven with the Lord, you know, and so forth. And so all along the way, it was making decisions 
So it wasn't difficult to make that final decision to be a part fully of Christ by baptism. And I'm sure I didn't understand fully then, and I'm not sure I understand fully now, because we're always growing. But I think I've learned a little bit more since 12 years old, and I'm glad I made that decision. Tremendous. As the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should grow, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. I'm happy you mentioned not understanding enough then, and still not understanding everything. Because a few years ago, I Mm -hmm. spoke to persons, and they sometimes say, why do you encourage children to be baptized? But my response was, we send our children to school, they don't understand enough about school or sometimes nothing. And many, even after graduating university, they still don't understand school, but we still send them. So why do we choose to withhold them from God? We, we know people invest time and energy into developing their career, their bodies and relationships, but often neglect the spiritual dimension of their lives. How do you hmm. actively pursue spiritual growth? It's uh, a lot like how do you pursue staying alive? You've got to have a balanced life. You can't just eat. You've got to exercise. You've got to breathe. You've got to, you know, move around, do different things. And uh, it's like that spiritually. You've got to eat the word of God, digest it. You've got to exercise, sharing your faith and utilizing those things that God teaches you. It's automatic, just like a church that doesn't do evangelism is on a timer to die as a church. It may take a few decades, but eventually when the original members die out, so does the church. And it's the same with individual Christians. If we don't feed and foster and exercise the faith day by day, we end up shriveling up and the things in life that compete for our spiritual existence eventually win out. It is so true. Sometimes we view our Christianity as if it's just theoretical, but you have highlighted the need, the importance of that practical approach. It is not just thinking about, this is not just talking about, but it's about doing, and that is important. Mm -hmm. God speaks to us in so many different ways. How does he speak to you in terms of what medium or method does he utilize most when communicating to you? Well, the ways that he speaks uh, with me is the way that he speaks with other people. I have never really expected some mystical experience. In fact, a mystical experience, that is the basis of one's faith and one's direction in life. It's so easy to be misdirected because there are a lot of voices competing for attention in the form of people, in the form of philosophies, media, and even whisperings of the enemy himself. So it's got to be based on the word. That's the main mode of how God speaks, what messages to teach, Bible study or sermons or whatever, whatever else, seminars and so forth. And he has spoken during my life through other people, other godly people, men and women. He has spoken through that have happened in life. Maybe at the moment I didn't understand it, but as things began to play out and the drama began to move forward, then I began saying, wow, I'm sure glad 
God didn't allow me to go in that direction. At first, I had no intention of being a pastor, for example, but events in life moved in a direction. I mean, if you had asked me when I was 20 about being a pastor, I would say, being a what? No way. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but God had other plans, and that, that's a long story in itself, but I'm so glad that he led and spoke the way he did. And people these days expect for God to, to speak out of a cloud or off of a mountain like he did to Moses, and he doesn't often do that. He has spoken, and it's been recorded in the Bible, and that is the main way that we seek his will and his word. You did mention, uh, it's another story, you know, your journey into becoming a pastor. And I would want to pounce on that opportunity. Not only are you a pastor, but you're a pastor in Japan. How did mm. that happen? If you can say in a condensed way. That's very interesting. Yeah, in a condensed way, at the time, I had no intention of being a pastor. I was in college, and I was studying... My major was communications, and my minor was religion. I thought, I'll learn communications. Maybe I can work with the Adventist Media Center, and a knowledge of religion will help me to understand the Bible better, and so I can be more efficient in the work that I do. I had no clue of being a pastor. Well, during that year at school, my heart was really touched, convicted by a Vespers that the mission department did, and they had some re recently returned students who had gone out for a year and volunteered in various countries. We called them student missionaries. And that really touched me. And I felt deep within, more than feeling, it was a conviction. That's something I want to do. God was really calling me to that. So I went up to the mission office. That was Friday night. I went Monday morning, as soon as I could, when the office opened, and I looked through the catalog of available Uh, places. And the first thing that interested me was Cairo, Egypt. I thought, wow, that would be amazing. The job title sounded good. And they, they had a slot for three choices. The second one was Iceland, helping as an assistant dean in the dormitory. I thought, that'd be really good. And the third one, uh, I don't know, I shuffled the pages. And one said, Japan, teaching English and Bible. I said, I don't know if I can do that, but I know about made in Japan. So I wrote it down. That's about the depth of it right there. And as it turns out, both the first choices did not work out. Number one was taken before I could get it. Number two, the director said, oh, I have a question to ask you. Are you vegetarian? Yes, I am. You're not going to survive because I eat mostly fish. I said, next. And so I went to Japan. God gave me a taste of direct gospel ministry. And after I finished my term, when I came back, he uh, arranged things in such a way that I was convicted. I guess you could say I finally surrendered to his call that had been going on for years. I just didn't recognize it. Maybe I was like Jonah trying to run away. And I accepted it. And it was the best decision I ever made. It hasn't been easy all the way. There have been some major challenges and disappointments and discouragements. But I can't see it any other way. And which, if I might add, saying that is actually a fulfillment of something that uh, the founder of uh, one of the first Adventist media ministries, and that was HMS Richard Sr., who founded the Voice of Prophecy. He spoke at camp meeting one year, and I was in the States. 
And he said, today, my title as printed in the bulletin is one thing, but I've been convicted that the Lord wants me to speak about the need of young men in the ministry. He changed his topic on the day that I was there. And the purpose I went for was to hear him speak about, I don't even remember what it was, but it, it was on the bulletin. And he spoke as if he were talking right at me. And that's when I made the decision. Okay, Lord, I'll do it. And there I was, headed off within a few weeks after that to attend classes in theology at a different university. As I listened to you speaking, I, I remember the account of Isaiah recorded, I believe in Isaiah chapter 6, maybe verse 8, thereabout, where Isaiah answered to say, here am I, send me. But also mentioned that at the time you weren't thinking of Japan. You weren't thinking initially about being a pastor, but that was the calling that God had on your life. And to God be the glory, you answered mm -hmm. the call. Yeah. This question, it, it is a personal one, and people may say, how can you ask such a question of a pastor? But was there ever a moment in your spiritual journey that you believed you experienced the greatest doubt in or the greatest distance from God? There actually was, and it was uh, before I was a pastor. I can say the last year of theology, you know, and theology comes from the Greek word, the study of God. And I mean, <laughs> that's, that's a lifetime task. But because it's a liberal arts education, you are, by nature of the course, exposed to all kinds of things. It's not just Bible study all the time. You've got to study some of the famous names, uh, theologians, some who were agnostic and maybe even atheists themselves. But theology is such good, you know, exercise for your frontal lobes or something. Anyway, they wrote all this stuff and then I could barely understand it. I had to read a page 10 times sometimes just to try to say, what is this guy talking about? Anyway, exposure to a lot of things and a lot of very liberal things. And after graduating with some honor, you know, the next two years after graduation were perhaps the lowest in my spiritual experience. And literally, that time, by God's grace, I had to spend in restudying the things that classes had brought doubts to my mind in. It's kind of sad to say you studied theology and you graduated in theology. And uh, how could you have such a low spiritual point with all of that stuff, the human element of it? And maybe some disappointment because of humans seeing things and hearing things that uh, didn't quite pan out or add up. But uh, by the grace of God, through the word, through reading, and especially through the ministry of my favorite pastor, who's now deceased, uh, Elder C.D. Brooks, I listened to cassette tapes at the time that was top technology, cassette tapes <laughs> of Breath of Life series going through all Adventist doctrines all over again. And it brought me right back on target. And I just praise God. And when I met him for the first time, one and only time, he was at the general conference. And I saw him. I said, hey, I got to go say hi. I went over. I said, you don't know me. You'll never see me again, no doubt. But I want to thank you for your ministry. And it really got me back on course. And very humbly, he said, well, praise God. I'm glad that it did that. Sad that he passed away, but he was in his 80s. And. His ministry has not, especially for me. 
So that was a low point. After studying theology, that was your low part. That was one of the lowest points in your life, being a Christian. And so I have to ask mm-hmm. this question, you know, isn't it difficult being a Christian? Because sometimes people think of being a Christian as it's this small path. Isn't it difficult sometimes being a Christian? Yes and no. On the one part, on the one hand, I would say, how can you live without being a Christian? How can you go through life without knowing God, without knowing his word? without having the hope that God gives through the word and through the whole system of belief, without the fellowship of uh, other believers and so forth. But on the other hand, it can be difficult in that the direction the world is going is opposite. And I've told people sometimes to be faithful to God is like trying to go up the down escalator at uh, Tokyo or Shinjuku Station during rush hour. But you've got to do it. And by the grace of God, he gives strength to to make that possible. But it's not always like that. There are times when it it can be very, very rough against the grain. But who hasn't, in following God since the beginning of history, had a rough time? The first person who determined to be faithful to God was the second son of Adam and Eve, Abel. He ended up being killed by his own brother because he was faithful to the Lord. So all the way through history, we can see in this world, the system here is opposite. It's like being at war. We shouldn't be on the battlefield and then be shocked by the fact that the enemy is shooting at us. Oh, look what they're doing. They're firing at us. He's aiming at me. Of course, you're at war. It's the battle of good and evil, Christ and Satan, and we're caught in the middle. But the good news is being a Christian means you're on the winning side. History has proven that, and so has Bible prophecy. I love the way you put it. We we shouldn't be surprised that being on the battlefield, the enemy will be shooting at us. Mm-hmm. And and so maybe this is why many people find it difficult. But I'll ask you from your experience, why is it that some people find it so hard to trust God's plan for their lives? Or why do they walk away from the faith? People have similarities in that we all have a sinful nature, but individuals are individuals. They have their background, they have their upbringing, their unique experience in life. But the bulk of human life is similar to everybody else with our uniquenesses, like our fingerprints, right? So nobody can say, no one has experienced what I have. There are similarities, maybe not the same names, the same place at the same time, but similar experiences. So A lot of times the reason that people have difficulty in accepting God's will for their life is they have their own plan for what they want to do. And when they realize that what they want to do doesn't seem to mesh with what God is teaching them or the direction he's leading them in, they're not willing to go there. They don't want that change in life. They don't want that new direction or they're just afraid. But it's amazing when we come to understand and say, okay, I surrender, God. Your plan is the best. The Bible says you don't make mistakes. Your ways are perfect. I'm going to trust you here. And even though there's still a part of me that doesn't, I'm going to step forward and trust you here. Please reveal to me your will and strengthen. It's like the man that came to Jesus. He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And the Lord does. 
I mean, not ding, you know, it's all there 100%, but in, in a gradual daily way uh, so that we can digest it and understand it and appreciate it. And uh, over the years, as day slips into week and month and year, we come to look back at uh, even the times that were very difficult and realize we couldn't have survived that if the Lord had not had a hand in it. So the best way to accept and trust the Lord with his will is whatever it is today that he seems to be asking, whether it's through the word or something someone else said, or what you've picked up by the circumstance in your life, surrender on your knees and tell the Lord, all right, teach me. What is it you want for me here? Because our, our will for ourselves is self-centered. That's really the only person we care about in life is ourself. Oh, that's not true. I care about my family. I care about this. Uh, yeah, but why? Because they also give you something in life that contributes to your existence and your happiness. Is there anyone who is totally, 100% living for their family and living for others? I haven't met anyone yet, and it definitely ain't me. <laughs> you know, we all have the same nature. Maybe that's why my favorite Bible verse is Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to mm. thine own understanding. That's the key, with all. Yes, and as you put it, it's about trusting God, surrendering all. What do you think would surprise most people about you, and maybe why? Some people have an image of what a pastor is or should be based on whatever. Sometimes it may be from a relative who was a very good pastor. Sometimes it may be from reading, from whatever. Sometimes people are surprised when they find out that even though I'm dead serious when it comes to the Word of God, with His will and His expectation and His demands on our life, I also have a sense of humor, and I appreciate that. It's uh, one of those, uh, I guess you could say, uh, coping mechanisms that God has given. If we didn't have a sense of humor, life would certainly be somber. And I mean, I think there'd be a whole lot more suicides than there already are. But God gives us humor, and I think that's one thing. Humor, I like being out in nature and appreciating the good things that God has given us in life, like simple, good food, fresh air, friends, family, and so forth. Sometimes they're surprised. Hey, you're a pastor and you laugh. <laughs> you joke around, you kid people. Of course. Of course. I have a family. I have four sons. <laughs> yes. And, and it helps to keep you youthful. And I That's it. On the point of laughter, has God ever surprised you in, 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 in a way that had you cracking up with laughter? One doesn't come to my mind off the top of my head here. I know there are times when he had me weeping, uh, whether it would be sorrow for my own sin or weeping because of the love of Christ. Uh, there have been many, many times when reading the Bible or when going through my favorite book, Desire of Ages, favorite next to the Bible, that uh, I was in tears, especially the first time that I read that book. And there have been times when, I don't know if it was cracking up, but 
Sometimes it has been the way others have preached or written. And I can just see the Lord's hand in it. And just that, that humor that, uh, you know, not to the point of getting a bellyache from cramping up from laughing so hard, but God does have a sense of humor. I mean, you look at giraffes. What if people had necks that were that long? <laughs> How could we survive? And, uh, you know, there's a purpose and a, a reason for everything that God has devised. It, it all makes sense. But some of it is pretty funny when you look at creation. But uh, God is good. And I think I'm thankful to him that that is another aspect that he has to bring joy to our life. That aspect of joy. What is the key to maintaining balance in your life in terms of what have you found to be the best way of absorbing disappointments, maybe rejection, stress, discouragement? What is your way of dealing with those things? It's, it's, it's easier said than done for anyone. But of course, uh, one of the ways of coping and moving forward is to not dwell on uh, whatever bad thing or experience just happened to you. And that can be from mistreatment by someone. I've had plenty of that. It can be from the sudden death of a loved one. Had that many, many times. Or it can be in just a disappointment in someone you trusted. You know, but I can honestly say this. I have never been disappointed in the Lord. There have been times when I have not understood why things happened the way they did. And I questioned the Lord. And it seemed the response was just silence at the moment. But as, as the smoke cleared and as day slipped into day and we moved forward, I looked back and I realized it was necessary. And his ways are perfect, exactly what he does. There's still, I don't claim to understand everything that's happened in my life, looking forward to eternity, to asking those questions. But there have been enough of experiences that he has allowed me to understand and he's unfolded it to my understanding to realize okay if i can trust him in those i can trust him in all of them and just keep moving forward that's what we have to pray about lord give me healing on this and uh, if it's necessary give me the ability to forgive in my heart and even though while a pastor over the years some people have said and done some very hurtful hateful, I can even say evil things, but I don't hate any of them. God has been able to just uh, give me uh, peace, and I don't hate any of them, but that doesn't mean that I trust them either. I've learned some lessons, and you learn what people can be trusted and what people cannot. Technically, no one can be trusted, starting with yourself. But God is the one to be trusted. But we, we form a circle of friends, and um, we're able to uh, cope through that, too. So God knows he brings balance just when we need it. You've, you've mentioned moving ahead, not lingering on the past, being willing to forgive, and also having the right circle of friends or circle of influence. For, for many persons, they, they struggle with forgiveness. And maybe you could say maybe one line, why is forgiveness so important as a Christian? First and foremost, God forgave me. God forgives us of our sins. The fact that Christ, knowing the Bible says, 
while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If he was able to do that and to continue to forgive when we come to him, once we sin, if we confess our sins, uh, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Sometimes people want to receive the forgiveness and to have the load off their shoulders, but they cling to the unrighteousness. And one of the things of unrighteousness is an unforgiving spirit, because our righteousness is like filthy rags, the Bible says. Nothing good. It's a stench. But God gives us even that through Jesus Christ. And for me to receive his righteousness, his goodness, his forgiveness, and then to harbor uh, an unforgiving spirit, as Jesus said, as the Bible says in many places, we expect God to forgive us. We must forgive one another. Even the Lord's Prayer says that. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or to put it another way, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So his first step in forgiving us, forgiving me, is a training in what we should do and how we can do it to others who, who also hurt us. That's the spirit of Christ for which we strive. And it's a part of that uh, process of sanctification. It's a work of a lifetime. Thank you. Quite a mouthful. And that is so important. Now, in a question of someone who has never heard about God, what would you tell them about God from your experience in terms of who is God to you? Depending on the person and their culture and background, uh, sometimes a good place to start is to ask, do you have someone you would consider a good friend? Let them think about it. And would you say that person is your best friend? Why? And let them give the reasons why. And then reveal to them, provided all those reasons are normal, that God is all of those and much more. He's not only our creator, he's our savior and our best friend when we come to get to know him. Someone in whom we can trust. That's another way of approaching it. Have you ever had your trust broken? Someone who was like a brother or a best friend, maybe even literally a brother, a relative, a parent who has disappointed you and broken your heart that you feel you can never trust them again. God is not like that. He's someone we can trust and begin to delve into what he has done, how he has done it, not just theoretically, but from our own experience. For me, it would be from my own experience and uh, how people have always disappointed. And even the best friend, the one that we love dearly, will someday disappoint us because they will die and no longer be there to be that arm of support and, and warmth and friendship anymore. So, and that's a disappointment. That's why people weep grievously at the funeral service when someone like that is gone. But God is eternal and he doesn't pass away. In fact, the opposite is true. His heart is grieved at the death of his saints, the Bible says. And the saints, who are they? Those are believers, Christians, people who have surrendered their life to him and become good friends. Yes, that is so true. And now, Pastor, uh, if you could thank God for just one person you met along your faith journey, who would it be and why? There are so many people. 
I had to do just one person outside of the Lord himself, I would thank him for my wife. And then maybe after that, thank him for for Pastor C.D. Brooks and Pastor E. Cleveland. Uh, you know, on and on the list we'd go. And being impressed by God really used them. And some of them, there were a few of them that actually uh, met some of the pioneers of the church, like that founder of the Voice of Prophecy, HMS Richards. Actually, when he was 11 years old, heard Ellen White preach and pray. And uh, an amazing story that he tells. You mentioned, you know, your wife and you mentioned the others, but uh, why uh, in terms of your wife? Yeah, you didn't elaborate on that point. The Lord brought her into my life actually the second time that I came back to serve in Japan. I had finished a year. I went back to the States and received a phone call at 1 a.m. from uh, the leader of the uh, language school work that I was involved in. And he said, we really need an experienced teacher. We're starting up a new school in Harajuku, Tokyo. Came back to Japan thinking I would be working in Tokyo and then just moved from the Tokyo school that existed already to the Harajuku school in a matter of months when the building was finished. And after two days of being in Tokyo, I was asked to go to Osaka because they needed help. And at the time, it was kind of disappointing. Osaka, I don't know anybody down there. But if the need's there, that's why I'm here. So, okay. They stuck me on a plane that afternoon. We arrived that evening in Osaka. And it was in Osaka where I met my wife. If the Lord hadn't moved me down there, we'd have never met. And my life would have been totally different. And at the time that I met her, she wasn't even a Christian yet. Uh, but God worked all of those things out. And she's been uh, definitely the partner that the Lord had. And that's a long story in itself, uh, how that worked out on my side, how it worked out on her side. And for him to have brought her into my life when he did and how he did. And for being partners in life for more than 40 years now, how can I not be grateful? As far as earthly friends go. She is my best friend, as well as being my wife. That's the way it should be with spouses. That's so true. I know you have served as a pastor, at least, you know, here in Japan for well over 20 years. But, you know, if there's one thing you feel God is inviting you to do right now, besides being a pastor, if you could start any ministry, what would it be and who would it serve? Well, there's one area that uh, I'm not prepared to say he's calling me to, but there's an area that it goes all the way back to the time I was at college as a communications and uh, religion major rather than theology, and that is to be involved in media ministry somehow. I've always wanted to do that, and by his grace, uh, as he spares and gives life and health, I still want to be involved in the media ministry. That's one. Another area is, uh, as I have uh, discovered since uh, being back again in Japan for six years ago, uh, for a term of time, we were overseas in the States. And when we came back, I have realized the needs in Japan among the Japanese populace in general, and even among church members, has not decreased. If anything, it has increased. And I have found that 
even though I've been in international ministry, I am feeling nudged in the direction of doing more for the Japanese people themselves. That's where we are. It's our host country. And as Christians, I can confidently say we really owe it to the Japanese people to do what we can to reach out for them as long as God spares and gives life. And so that's something I'm feeling more called to now in the next chapter of ministry. Pastor, I can only wish you all the success in that ministry. And I too share your, your passion for reaching out more to the Japanese community, because as you mentioned, they are the, the host. <laughs> so uh, as experts, mm-hmm. we are the guests. Uh, Pastor Mark, I, I want to say thanks for taking the time out to talk with us today. You're so today, very welcome. Yes, thank you. So our guest today was Pastor Mark Duarte, the pastor of the Tokyo Central International Seventh-day Adventist Church. And he has been serving here in Japan for well over 20 years. We want to say thanks for the time. And Pastor Mark, just before we go, do you have any parting words for our listeners? Well, if the listener is in Japan, I would say do more than just absorb. Be sure that your time here is a time when you also give, not necessarily giving in the sense of your workplace because you get paid for that, but give something back to the culture. If you're a Christian, share the goodness of the Lord. If you're not a Christian, I would encourage you to check it out. Try to uh, see what that is. And if you're not in Japan and listening to this and you have this interest in Japan, that's good. And I hope that you can visit come to Japan someday, but for doing more, a lot of foreigners that uh, come and visit Japan in recent years because they have an interest in anime. (laughs) And of course, this is where the source is, right? Japanese do a lot of that, but they've done a lot more for the world than anime. And even though your interest in that may bring you to Japan, I hope you'll do something a little more permanent and a little bit deeper in terms of uh, the human element and sharing something good with the people, make a difference in someone's life and hopefully making a difference that is connected to introducing them to the Lord. I think that's the greatest thing that anyone can do in their time here in Japan or remotely. Pray for this country. Amen. Making a difference, that's what we should do. That is who we ought to be. Do join us next week as we will share with you the story of another interesting guest. You've been listening to the Upward Way podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.